People deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning back in each and every time. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Deluded Podcast, the DG Podcast, the Really and Truly Podcast. As I said, good morning, but you know, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on whoever you are, wherever you are in this world and whatever time you're listening to this. I hope you're all well and safe. It's Friday morning at the time of recording, so I hope you've all had a week to remember. I hope you've all had a great week where you've accomplished your goals. Now, it is the off-season, if you can say that. We've got the Copa America, we've got the Euros, and before long you know we'll be back in with the Premier League and all of those things so football never stops people but like I said the Euros kicks off today Turkey versus Italy and then yeah for the next month or so there's football every week nine times out of ten three times a week so let's actually get into the Euros bit people please make sure you're following me across all my socials information is in the description Guna 4 and everything twitch Guna 187 um, so yeah obviously it's Turkey versus Italy and every Every day there's going to be a watch along from me so make sure you're paying attention to my YouTube content as well people. I appreciate all the members of my YouTube channel and all my subscribers and all my fans who obviously look to take advantage of DG merchandise. Deluded merchandise is out now. Link again is in the description. Again go and get your hats, your mugs, your t-shirts and the rest of it. Tell a lie hats aren't out yet they're in the progress. Um, process people but the rest of the business is out so yeah go support that and show some love people but moving away as i said it's euro 20 euro 2020 yes it's 2021 it's been delayed by a year but it's the euros defending champions portugal i was about to say france are probably going to be dark horses france are undoubtedly the favorites they're the current world cup winners and they just go from strength to strength every week um so yeah let's crack on one second people let's crack on so, yeah, in relation to the Euros, I can't lie, man. You know, a part of me feels it isn't going to be a beautiful tournament, people. And what I mean by that is it's a, it's a game. I don't think we're going to see football purity and nice little game gameplay and stuff. I think it's a game, a day for the scumbags. I think it's a game. I think it's a, a, a tournament where we're going to see dark horses where it's going to be lacking quality. I don't. I'm not quite confident in this Euros. Hopefully, I'm wrong, though, because you've got some exciting teams. Whatever you say about Spain, it's still Spain. Um, Portugal's there, France is there, obviously England's there. Hopefully we can go all the way and play all of the seven games, despite the fact I do not believe in Gareth Southgate. And on that topic, the thing I think Southgate does well is he he promotes togetherness and stuff. But I can't lie, I'm just not happy, even the way he's gone about selecting his team, who he selected. You know, we're still talking about, is he going to do a back three, which a lot of us, myself included, believe, or is he going to switch to a back four? Who is going to be in that defence? Because it's been a mix and match. Like, I haven't, to my knowledge, and I might be ignorant, I don't understand the point of playing players at this moment in time or utilising players at this moment in time at the and keeping players on the bench that are going to be part of your squad if they're not part of your squad. You know, shout out Ben Godfrey, Ward Prowse, Lingard. But throughout the whole preparation for this tournament, these guys are not... Obviously, in hindsight, Ben White was part of that example and he's playing. But what's the point? These guys are not playing... You know, they're not playing at the tournament. So I haven't seen enough preparation. I think we've made a mess of who we're selecting. I don't know what I'm going to get in terms of formation. I don't have the confidence in Gareth Southgate, really, because I believe, you know, for me anyways, there's every reason for Phil Folden, Mason Mount and Jack Grealish all to start. But I'm prepared to believe, obviously, there's a, it's a squad game. Not everybody can play and whatnot. And there's in the front three, well, the three positions bef before you talk about Kane, there's a lot of competition. 
Me personally, I'm prepared to say, cool, while all three should be starting, I think there's a reality all three can start. All right, cool. Two of the three should be on the field at all moments of play, you know, whether that's Mount and folding in the 10, Grealish off the left and, fold, and, and folding in the 10, Mount in, Mount in the 10 and, and Grealish on the left, whatever variation of it, three should be on the, two of the three should be on the pitch. I We can have all these exciting players and, and talk about them till we're blue in the face. Sanjo, Sterling, Grealish, Foden, Mount, um, Rashford, you know, Kane is up front buzzing around, you know, if I haven't said Jaden Sanjo, depending on, you know, if he's going to be a Dortmund player or United player come the end of this tournament, there's some exciting players in and at Bakayo Saka needs no introduction, I don't think he's going to start, but you get the point, there's some exciting players, but a team can only be the reflection of the manager and you can have exciting players and X-Factor, but if you've got a conservative manager, it will pay and Part of me feels we've only been persisting with three at the back, so that's what we're going to see. But and I would like to see a four, but is it necessarily the right time to be changing things? Should you have been doing this before? On top of that, obviously, when you look at Harry Maguire, he's been struggling with injuries. I don't believe, I think it's a mockery that the likes of Tyrone Mings has been called up to this side. Nothing to do with him as a person. I just don't think he's good enough. I just think the fact that he's left-footed is why he's there. I think it's a bit of a joke if, you know, for me anyways, give or take... If you're selecting a squad of players to play for the national team, then they should be the best 25 players or whatever that you could find. 24, 25, 26 that you could find. Are they necessarily? And if Mings is part of that elite bracket of English-based players or pool size of players, there's a problem, in my humble opinion. So I don't really have much faith, but hopefully we can go all the way. If I was naming my lineup and injuries weren't a thing... I can't lie to you, the left wing is kind of complicated by Grealish now because I think Grealish is the talisman. He had a good qualification tournament. I think you need him. Um, so for me, um, I'm going Harry Kane, my strongest lineup. I'm going Harry Kane up front. Let's start backwards, people, because that, that, that's where I actually find it harder. The goalie situation is the goalie situation. Pickford, Henderson, Pope is, well, Pope's not even there, but it's all different. So I'll go with Pickford because that's who's going to be in goal. Left back, ooh. I'd probably give it Chilwell at this moment in time, um, but Shaw could do it. I'd give it Chilwell. Right back, for me anyways, would be probably Reese James, but Kyle Walker is going to start there. Centre-half is where it gets a, a bit political. I think there's a possibility of playing Rice there, but I would probably say if fit, John Stones and Harry Maguire. Three-man midfield people, so that's for me. Phil Folded in the 10, Mason Mount in one of the pivot roles and one of Henderson, Rice or whoever. I'll go with Declan Rice would be it for me. So that's my front three. I mean, my midfield three. Off the left, Jack Grealish. Um, Phil Folden, if I haven't said in the 10. Um, well, I just said it. Um, on the right, Jaden Sanjo and, and Kane up front. But then obviously you've got good issues. I, I think Rashford... I wouldn't. I'd bring on Sterling before Rashford, but you've got Rashford, you've got Sterling, you've got Sandro, you've got Bakayo on that left. You know, you could actually play. You forget Folding can play off that left. Grealish in the ten, Mount in that ten, Folding off the left. You can play Mount off. You can play all of them off the flanks. So there's some great up. There's some great squad. There's some great players there. But you're only as good as the manager, really. And I hope we go all the way. For me, I was talking to my friends yesterday about this. I think in in England's group, I think it's a draw win loss. Um, I hope we beat Croatia, but obviously that one day is mad. I think we'll beat Scotland, but that one day is mad. And you can't write off Czech Republic at all. So I personally feel win, draw, loss. I want to see two wins and a draw. I want to see three wins, of course. I want to go all the seven, all this, all the way and play all these seven games. In my head, we've got seven games to go to. So we'll have to see what England are on, people, really and truly. Um 
Quick overview in terms of the dates. We know this is running from the 11th of June to the 11th of July. It is a tournament that's been playing at a host of European venues. You've got Amsterdam, you've got Baku, you've got Bacharest, you've got Budapest, you've got Copenhagen, Glasgow, London, Munich, Rome, Seville, St. Petersburg and all of those sort of things, people. We know it was delayed for a year, people. Um, in short, you know, this is this is this is across 11 countries, boy separated by 700 seven uh, separate sorry 11 countries separated by a uh, seven shouldn't be there 4766 kilometers kilometers um scotland versus england is going to be a tasty one it's the first major competition for scotland since 1998 while england could have home advantage in nearly every game and wales are at their second euros in a row so shout out to the welsh and um, i'm sure gareth bell Aaron ramsey and all them people dan james they want to have something to say about that as you know teams will be allowed to select 26 six players and they'll also be allowed to make up to five subs so that's a benefit so a lot of people can get a game people and it's about managing this tournament well because i don't want to hear excuses because everybody's had injuries everybody's had a cult had to deal with this covid stuff you know i'm not going to go over it but you are seeing a number of you know spain didn't play in the, the, the whole spanish team didn't play in their latest game due to COVID or friendly. They let the under-21s. You know, I know Sweden have had a couple of bouts of COVID. There's been a couple of spells with players getting COVID um, in that regards, people. But everyone's had to deal with COVID. Obviously, when you look at England, we have to kind of consider, I don't want to say excuses, but we're going to talk about, you know, these guys have played a lot of games. I personally believe, I hear the logic in you can be suffer burnout, but sometimes having games quick and, and, and fast it can just keep you fit. Like you look at the Chelsea and City players, the ones that are in the squad, you know, their season's extended and they've just gone on and doing what they want. I look at Bakayo Saka, he's had a mentally and physically draining season for Arsenal where we've played him in more games than we probably should and we're going to need to stop that, not because of his ability because we're burning the young man out. Obviously, Kane's had little knocks this season. Henderson and Maguire are not fully fit. So, Match fitness, injuries, fatigue, all of these things play a part, but everybody's had to deal with it. And I'm sorry, but I'm not being funny. We've got a big squad to deal with it. I can't lie in this England team. I'm more happy with the attackers, you know. For instance, for me, Grealish plays off the left, but if you played Rashford, Sterling, folding off that left and Grealish didn't, like Grealish couldn't play out there, I'd be angry, but it's okay. Where I think we can't play around is defence. You know, make a decision on defence. I, For what it's worth, I think he's a back three. I think he's going to go with a back three. Um, I don't know who would be make up that back three. I don't even... What scares me is who is going to be the centre-halves, really and truly. Um, but I think he's going to go with a back three. So we'll have to see. But five subs, bigger squad, should be able to cope people. In terms of my predictions, I don't know for predictions and stuff. Um, somebody asked me to name player of the tournament. I'm going to go with Ronaldo, you know, purely because last hoorah in terms of the Euros. Remind everybody what you're on. I'll go with Ronaldo or Kylian Mbappe. Um, would love it to be Kante or an Ars or an England player. Would love it to be Bukayo Saka, Phil Foden, Grealish, people of that ilk. I, I, I like everybody. I, I expect France to right wipe the floor with most teams in it. But last time, Euros 2016, fair enough. You know, those extra two years that followed that final in 2016, you know, France kind of matured just that little bit more. Um, I, I think they're going to have that in the back of their mind. Obviously, they're playing, you know, the depth is one thing. Benzema's back in the team. Half them players are playing well. Half of them are playing well individually if their team ain't played well. Once again, the depth. Once again, you know, a lot of those players in that France team, they're not going to be around forever. So there's a bit of that. Um, 
I, I would want to win the Euros, you know, coming off the back of some of you have won the Champions League. Obviously, a lot of you have won the World Cup. There's a, you know, there's, I'm sure some of you would want you. The likes of Paul Pogba, if you've lost, or, or any City players, if you've lost the Cup final, um, in, and you're French, I know Mendy's in the France squad, or at least I think he is, um, there's an opportunity to put things right. And obviously, I'd say to remind the world, you know, because let's be honest, they could follow what Spain do in that. Well, uh, well, Spain, forgive me if I'm wrong. No, they can't. They can't. They can't. Because what? They could do it with the World Cup because what? Spain won the Euros, World Cup, then Euros. I, I'm sure they did something like that. Um, France, obviously, they lost Euro 2016, but they could win the World Cup, Euros and win the World Cup again. And it sends sig signals out. Um but something tells me it's a game, it's a, it's a tournament for the dark horses, people, in my opinion. I don't think, I want, if England can't do it, of course, because because only because of the man in the squad, um, I would love France to do it. But I don't, I know you've got a man like Benzema who ain't been a part of France's World Cup team, so he wants to add to his own stuff. And, you know, Giroud's chasing Thierry Henry's um, goal record for France. And obviously Giroud has won every major trophy available in club football that he could have. And, you know, to add a Euros to it would absolutely be amazing for him. But I think it's going to be a game for the dark horses. I don't think you can really say a team that has Cristiano Ronaldo is a dark horse. But I would say Portugal, you know, Renato Sanchez might impress a few if he is in that squad. Um, Italy, you know, Italy have what? They've only got one or two losses in, in, a, in a while under Mancini. And I like what they do with their system, with how their left back attacks. The right back becomes almost another centre half. Obviously, with Italy or the Italian national team, you know exactly what you're getting from them. So I think people are sleeping on Italy um, and they, they, they could do a thing. I actually think a lot of people, myself included, are sleeping on Spain. And what I mean by that is I think we'd all agree Spain are past their best in terms of there's not really that there's good players there, but there's not that golden era, Iniesta, you know, Xavi, the rest of the Ramos, everybody in their prime, everybody doing their thing. And it is what it is at one point. The only thing they were missing was a player they can't select in Messi. I don't quite think it's that. I don't quite think they have that standard of player. I do think the players that were of that level, like Busquets, who is still there, aren't quite there. Um, I do think it's a bit stale. Um, but I think they might surprise a few because so many people are writing them off. I think they've only got one defeat in 24 games. And regardless, you know what you're getting with Spain. I can't lie. Looking at the Spanish squad, there is quality, but... You know, for a team like Spain and all the footballing principles I have down in Spain, to have a Dharma Traore in your squad, for me, that sort of stuff there tells you there's a lack of quality players and there's desperation there. You know, obviously, a Dharma gives you a bit different than the typical Spanish player in that he's not he's not a come short to the ball sort of guy. He's, he, he gives them a, that aggression and that um, ferociousness in that regards, people. So, you know, I, I how can you really... You, I can't really sit here and say European Championship, Portugal, Spain, Italy... Or underdogs or dark horses or whatever but yeah i would love to sit here and say england can surprise a few man holland i don't think people should sleep on holland you know because in the same way i'm looking at spain's danny almo gravenbeck and them guys there are there but they'd be my dark horses i'm very scared of gareth southgate and what he wants to do in my opinion for the euros and there is obviously you can't rule out the germans as well it's yogi it's yogi loves last tournament as well before hansi before hansi hansi flick takes over so you can't sleep on them. Hopefully, it's going to be a good tournament, people. Let's look at the, the the group stages, people. Group stage. Sorry, people. I need to find these groups. Sorry. Really should have had it to hand. All right. So, group A, people, where we're kicking off today, obviously. You've got Turkey, Italy, who are playing today. Um, Italy, who are the hosts. Oh, why did it just leave? Um, you've got Turkey, Italy, Wales, Switzerland. So, if I had to pick... 
well, three teams to go through, because it is three teams, right? Um, I'm sure three teams go through. I could be wrong, or I might be lying to you. But if I had to pick the favourites from that group, obviously I'll say Italy win the group. And then it's fairly open, man. I think Wales might lack, but they've got Bale and Ramsey and people can do things. Switzerland, I can't lie, they always sell dreams, but they've got a good team. Turkey, again, they've got good players now coming on form and things like that. And I think people can't sleep on Turkey, but... I think Italy qualify and then it's all up for debate. Group B is Denmark, Finland, Belgium and Russia. You'd expect Belgium to get through without any problems. You know, you can't write off Finland, you can't write off Russia, but you'd expect Denmark to follow them as well. And then the third people who qualify, God knows. Group C, again, which is primarily going to be played at Amsterdam and Bucharest. You've got Holland, Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria and North Macedonia, which again... Netherlands and Ukraine are favourites. You can't write off Austria. Austria had a good game against England, in my opinion. Group D, you've got England, Croatia, Scotland and the Czech Republic. That group is fairly open for me. I would say Croatia are the favourites. Like I said, for England, I think it's a draw-win-loss. Um, the Scotland game goes either way because I expect to beat Scotland. I expect to beat them quite comfortably, if I'm completely honest with you. But you never know. And that's the game, you know, they're up for it. You know, the Scottish are going to throw it in our faces. They kind of think we have, like I just said there as an Englishman, I expect us to go through. I expect to win that, you know. If I'm a, 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 a Scot, Scotsman and I hear that, that's almost a bit of blind arrogance from a, from a, from an England man. So I'm sure the Scottish players are kind of feeling like that and they want to kind of, kind of shut us up. So that game goes either way. You can't write off, write off the Czech Republic. I know they ain't got Nedved and Rizitsky and people like that anymore, but they're still bad boys in this. You know, everybody's here on merit. It's a very tough group and, you know, it doesn't help us on Sunday for me that we're kicking off against Croatia. We're going to probably be the underdogs. I think we're going to lose that because I just think Croatia have too much quality and game intelligence and there's too many variables, like I discussed at the start, that I feel are going against us. I do think we'll beat Czech Republic. Do you know what? I actually think we'll beat the Czech Republic in Scotland, but I can't convincingly say that. You know, it's almost blind optimism. Group E sees Spain, Sweden, Poland and Slovakia. So you've got Robin Lewandowski, Izak and Kulisevsky, um, provided Kulisevsky's over COVID. The Spanish players and the Slovakians. It's gonna, that's, that's for me what the Euro's about. That's going to be a tasty group for me. Also, make sure you're checking out my YouTube content, people, because today, once again, I'll be going live and doing the Turkey versus Italy watch along. Almost every day, I'll be doing two of at least the three watch, um, two of the, two of, two, Two out of three watch-alongs for these three um, Europa, um, European ch Championship games that are being played this month. So make sure you're having the butchers and setting your reminder. I'm going again today live from 7.30, 7.40 against um, Turkey versus Italy. So that's a fairly open group. Obviously, Group FC's Hungary, Portugal, France and Germany. And that's the group of death for me. Group F, bloody hell. Hungary... You know Shabazz like Eva, bloody hell, mate. Like, you can't write off anyone, but it's long for you lot. Like, it's long. You know, Germany, again, you never know because I think it's one of these tournaments. I can't lie. I don't know who. I'm just saying names right now. Portugal, France, Germany, England, Holland, Croatia, Spain. I think it's one of these... I, I'm telling you lot, I don't think it's going to be a beautiful tournament. There's going to be beautiful moments, but I think it's a tournament where one of these teams that you expect to win slash go far, go out early. An underdog goes quite far. An underrated player goes far. I think the team that plays the most dark arts and ugly tactics... Dark arts goes through. I know um, Tyrell Mings has been talking about England need to learn to play to the dark arts. I don't think it's a beautiful football thing. I don't think it's a thing where... 
France could still win it. But you see how from early we were saying France World Cup, them and they are winning it. And it was beautiful from them. I don't think it's that. I think it's a... It's a dark arts thing. It's a Jose Mourinho performance sort of thing through to the final. I think that's what this tournament's gonna be. For that's just something what I'm being, what I believe. I hope I'm wrong, of course. But like I said, if I'm looking at it as an England fan, I'm very nervous about our group, Group A. Well, I meant say Group A. That's how. That's why I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm saying the wrong thing. Group D again: England, Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic. That's very even in my opinion. As a football neutral, I'm looking forward to Group F. As I said, Hungary, Portugal, the holders, France, and Germany. Madman group. Um, group C for me again: Holland should be going through. As should Ukraine. Don't think that's going to be exciting, but then again, it could. Group B looks boring as hell, as I said, people. Group B and C look boring. You know, Denmark, Finland, Belgium and Russia. And for Belgium, you know, they've been the golden generation for a while now. Almost, what, two World Cups, a Euro, two Euros now and, and whatnot, you know. They had the 2014 World Cup. They had the last World Cup where they beat Brazil when, you know, Hazard had a great performance. But surely it's now or never, you know. Courtois playing quite well. He, you know, and he's young for a goalie. Hazard, not at the best of seasons for Real Madrid. It's now or never. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is going into this tournament with some problems after sustaining a problem in the build-up to the... Well, in the final, actually, the Champions League. Um, obviously, Witzel's not going to be along forever. It's now or never for them, for Roberto Martinez and the Belgian boys and, and whatnot, people. So it's going to be an interesting group. Um, group of games people it's going to be an interesting one that's, that's what I believe anyway so make of that what you will people that's the Euros for you um, in other news people um, moving away from that I'm sure a lot of you have a lot to say about the thicker lines being used by VAR apparently Premier League video assistant referees are set to use thicker lines in games next season to determine marginal decisions okay you can have as many thick or as thin wide um, lines as you want if you're going to put up a thousand scribbles manipulate camera angles or um, you know, look at a man's chin hair or a guy's earwax and say he's offside, then it's a myth. But anyways, that's what they're saying. An agreement to use thicker lines originally reported in the Times following a presentation presentation, sorry, by the PGMOL referee chief Mike Riley to clubs at their annual general meeting on Thursday. Um, the PGMOL hopes that the change will give the benefit back to the attacking team after the Premier League clubs gave feedback in VAR survey last season. We want the right decisions, you know, but we want a bit of clarity, you know. We can't have toenails offside, you know. Sometimes I think VAR has got the calls correct, but more often than not, somebody's toenail is offside. Or somebody, and, and, and for me, it's the inconsistency. Like somebody, there'll be two games, there'll be an identical incident. But we'll have one reason for why one penalty offside or free kick was given or red card was given in one and not the other. And it just seems like jargon. So um, who knows, people? I still think this is going to blur the lines, but who knows what's going to happen? Apparently, the six English clubs which secretly agreed to join the ESL, European Super League, will pay a combined 22 million to draw a line under, the, under it and ensure that it doesn't happen again, really. Um, the figure was announced in a joint statement by the Premier League and the Football Association on Wednesday afternoon. As you guys know, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United and I don't know how, but Tottenham Hotspur have also agreed to pay an additional 25 million fine and a potential 30 point deduction for any similar transgression in the future. Now, I don't agree with that because I think they're being bullied. The Super League was terrible, but in principle, challenging UEFA and to buck up their ideas, I don't think the clubs was right, was wrong. 
you know, I don't think UEFA cared about the purity of the game and all the things they used to get the fans riled up about this, you know. And I think that is, I think that is quite concerning that they kind of bullying them to make sure this doesn't happen again. The Premier League, the Football Association, UEFA, and everyone else, um, Gary Neville, these men didn't care because it's the purity of the game. They didn't care for the same reasons you and I did. They cared because they're going to get less, you know, they're going to get less TV rights and that means less uh, um, booking appearances and, and less money for everybody. They didn't care, people. They didn't care because prior to this, when did you hear Gary Neville talk about the Glazers? When did you hear Arsenal um, legends condemn the Cronkies? You know, Chelsea and City are a bit different because they've got no beef with their, eight, with, their, with their people, them. Liverpool maybe to a degree. When did you hear it? Tottenham um, legends, when did you hear it? Because these lot don't care. You know, a lot of them only care if they're paid to speak about it. And, you know, I think that is that concerns me and that they're kind of bullying people in speaking out because I do think there could be a world where we look at the Champions League and say, UEFA, you're taking a piss. Let's switch it up. Did I agree with wanting to leave? No, but I just think this kind of shuts up people. Um, like I said, and, and I've maintained it, you can check all of my uh, uh, content in relation to the Super League. I don't agree with the Super League or whatever, but I'm not going to just make out that the people condemning it away from the fans are angels because they're not. They're not condemning it for the same reasons we are. And they're all birds of the same feather, man. They all their kids probably all go to the same schools and stuff. The you know the UEFA presidents probably condemning the public and then going for golf with these Arsenal, Chelsea, United, and so on executives after people. But it is what it is at base level. Without talking about devil's advocate, it is nice that you know we can draw a line under this people. Um, the six clubs include involved in proposals to form a European Super League have to date. Um, Acknowledged once again that their actions were a mistake and have reconfirmed their commitment to the Premier League and the future of the English game. It wouldn't have affected any of that, really. They have wholeheartedly apologised to their fans, fellow clubs, the Premier League and the FA. I don't think they owe the Premier League or the FA anything. Furthermore, the clubs have agreed to support rule changes so that any similar actions in the future would lead to a 30-point deduction. Each of the six clubs in that event would also be subject to an additional £25 million fine. The Premier League and the FA have worked closely together throughout this process and this agreement brings both investigations into the, mat into the matter to it into the matter to a conclusion as a gesture of goodwill the clubs have agreed collectively to make a contribution of 22 million which will go towards the good of the game including new investment in support for fans grassroots football and community programs yeah fucking right you liars but anyways moving on from that apparently david moyes has agreed a new three-year deal at west ham well deserved based on the season west ham had whether next season will happen or not Jaden sanjo for about two three years has been joining manchester united and it looks like there is some progress in that regards people however it looks like there's still going to need to be a bit more progress being made because Manchester United allegedly have had a 67 million bid for the England winger turned down by Borussia Dortmund. They want 77.5 million for the 21-year-old with an additional 4.25 bonus payment on top. Apparently, um, the fee is not being is not high enough, and apparently United want to pay it over five years when Dortmund are only willing to extend it to four. So come on now, they'll find an agreement. They will come to an agreement. We'll have to see. Time will tell whether Jaden's both Jaden Sanjo and Harlem will both leave and both be coming to the Premier League with Chelsea and Man and Man United respectively. But it's a good signing. 
you know, Man United need a winger. Jaden Sanjo is that, you know. I don't want to do a Ronaldo comparisons. And it seems like every time they get a number seven, it's said. Di Maria's had the number seven at United. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But this is the number seven. And for me, you know, he'll pay for himself and marketability in terms of longevity at 21 years of age. He's got scope to grow and be a leader of this team, similar to Rashford and the couple of other, Mason Greenwood, the homegrown lads, um, and a couple of other people of that ilk, whether the England internationals or not. He'll pay for himself, man. I think, I, it's no secret, I'm a big fan of Jadon Sandro. I think the only problem I could see at Man United is nothing to do with Jadon Sandro, the fans. It's Oli. Because you do get the vibe currently at Man United that it doesn't matter who they sign, they're not really going to excel with these individuals. Like They've got a tune out of Bruno. They've got tunes here and there out of Pogba, you know. Jaden Sandro's gonna come play right wing. You've got, a, you know, you've got inconsistencies with 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 movement on the field. You've got inconsistent. The midfield can't really play like that if Pogba's not there. So it's almost irrelevant if Jaden's there. That's the vibe you get. So, yeah, man, I think it'll be good for the league. I'm a big fan of Jaden Sandro. It'd be a shame if he signed for Man United, but you know, it's a good signing for them. In relation to Paul Pogba, for what it's worth, personally, I think Paul Pogba is staying. But as you lot know, he is set to enter the final year of his deal and will be able to negotiate with clubs outside the Premier League um, from January next year um, in relation to a free transfer. And obviously, it's the World Cup next year as well. Um, so I'm sure he wants clarity over his future. For what it's worth, I think he's going to stay. But he said he has not received a concrete proposal from Man United yet. So that would tell you at base level that United haven't offered him offered him anything. But maybe there's been indirect offers, nothing's been put down. Or maybe they're not offering because they know you want to keep it moving. I don't know. But I just feel, you know, you have Jaden Sanjo. Maybe that tells Pogba we're staying. We are in the Champions League next year. You know, Pogba, Jaden Sanjo. I'm sure there's a couple of other names. They've been linked with Trippier in that. Um you know, these are guys. I know Pogba is a Frenchman, but in terms of being homegrown, he's he's for me up he's with Jaden Sanjo and Rashford of being the leaders of this. And the problem is for Pogba, he's 28 now, isn't it? Like you're 28, you might never have an opportunity to join. He's always linked with Madrid. And I know Zidane's not there, but Madrid, Barcelona, back to Juventus and do all of those sort of things. And the age you're at now, you're still young, but United are, are rebuilding. You know, if it takes three years, that's good. But you're in your 30s now. What happens then? Sort of thing. And you need to ask yourself, do you believe Man United is going to be the club that's going to offer you the most chances of winning what I believe for Pogba, the Champions League. That's the only thing that eludes him. Um, he, you know, if he feels comfortable, there's plenty of other reasons for committing your future. For what it's worth, I think he'll stay at United. But someone like Paul Pogba, with a Euros, with a year left on his deal, boy, it wouldn't be... I, I wouldn't want, want to be a United fan or be a United executive. You can't let him go for free. Pardon me. You can't. You can't. Like, they could have dealt with him last year. They took out the extension of a new deal. You can't let Pogba go for free. That'll be the second time Pogba's gone for free from United. They can't let it happen. You know, they can't. Um, but for what it's worth, people, ahead of the opener with Germany for France, he said, I have one year left in my contract. Everybody knows it. I know that the club have made no concrete proposal. We finished the season with the Europa League and after that we had our holidays. I didn't have the chance to speak with the manager. I am still a Manchester United player, obviously, but the only thought I have about my future is the Euros. It's about the Euros. It's about focusing on the competition because I don't want to hear people say, oh, he's not focused on the Euros because he's thinking about his club, his future. Now I'm a bit more experienced than I once was and I focus on the present and the present at the moment is the Euros. All things related to the club, when you have a competition like this, I try to avoid them. That's why I have an agent and he's the one that takes care of all of this. So it's right, you know, again, it's a bit like Granite 
Xhaka. Granit Xhaka apparently is completing a move to Roma. He wanted it done before the Euros. Now Xhaka is no Pogba, but you know every question that Pogba, when Pogba does his media um, things is, oh, it's not going to be about France. It's going to be France and Man United with every good game. Man United can't keep hold of him. With every bad game, if he had one for France, United, how are they going to flog him? He's got a year left. It's not good. And I think you should, I think anyways, you should always enjoy international football. Yes, there's a lot of pressure. Yes, there's national pride. Yes, the the, the margins for errors are, are smaller. Yes, it's a, it's the highest level you can get to. But you should enjoy it. You know, this is why you've all been working on see, in the season to have a good season. I feel as well, when you're, Paul Pogba or, you know, anyone that's future is subject to week in, week out scrutiny. The best distraction can be the national team more time because you're not playing at your club. You're playing with your national team. You know, it's a feel-good factor. These are the moments you want to be a part of, you know, really. So I feel like playing in the international thing can be a good thing for a lot of people. But he's right. And obviously the Euros is going to complicate business for each other. I did mention um, Jaden Sanjo's um, teammate at Borussia Dortmund, Haaland. Now, I think Dortmund will sell to everybody who will pay the money. But to let Jaden Sanjo and, and Haaland go when they've qualified for the Champions League, it's got to be big money. More so for Haaland because I think they've got an indirect agreement. You know, uh, Jaden was Jaden's been the guy, you know, a bit longer before Haaland. Haaland's clearly better than him, of course, but... He was at Dortmund before. He was do doing his thing kind of before him. He was the one, you know, cool. We got, got him from City. We've had him for a couple of years now. I right, no hard feelings. We're making a significant improvement. Haaland's the one we're going to sell next season with his release clause. Then after that is probably Jude Bellingham and whoever returns. And maybe Reiner if he develops and whoever else. To let both of them go, I don't know who they'd bring in to replace them. Knowing Dortmund, they've probably got the next man up there. You know, they've been doing this, but, you know... To let Haaland go, surely it's got to be 120 plus million. And again, it'd probably be more than that because Dortmund don't want to sell. But pardon me, it's a player Chelsea need. Chelsea Chelsea have been linked with Martinez, Lukaku, Haaland. Clearly Haaland would be the better, best target. He'd pay for himself. I know there's rumours of Chelsea messing up their wage structure. And obviously that could have a knock-on effect for, you know, if Chelsea were to sign the next Haaland, you know, if they was to sign Haaland and the next wonder kid that's good in their position or you know Havertz justifies his price tag and other play you know Mount goes from strength to strength they might not be able to say they want the same wages as Haaland because he should be the talisman but they might say he's on 350 400k a week I might not be on that but I want closer to that so obviously there is a case of the wage structure and the knock-on effects but when you have players presented in opportunities like this and there can always be exceptions to the rule also They've got a free run at him. It don't look like people can afford Haaland right now. Um, obviously, his release clause comes into effect next year. He seems to have been, you know, Barca, Madrid. They've been on the charm offensive. Even City, to a degree, have been on the charm offensive. I think Chelsea could really sell him this carrot of you've won the Champions League, you're in it next year, you're trying to have a dynasty. You sit there and say, Thomas Tuchel, you know, listen, you can develop under me. I've worked with Mbappe for a temporary period at PSG. I've worked with Neymar. I've worked with Dembele. I've worked with, OK, Bamian's not world-class, but he's worked with him, so he can improve you. There's that intermediate step. Obviously, you have to dangle the carrot of, of the London lifestyle. And obviously, he might be Norwegian, but he's a German speaker. You, the manager speaks German. Half the players speak German, so they will allow you to settle that bit bigger. Obviously, if Sander Burge and, and Odegaard complete moves to Arsenal, you know, you've got your Norwegian brothers down the road. So there is that to be said. But again, 
if there's anyone that can do a business, it's Chelsea in it. Nobody wants to sell their best player, someone like Haaland. And for Chelsea, you know, like Thomas Tuchel said, two of a, two or three could be really, really good players. They linked with Haaland, Hakimi. They need really, really good players because, you know, that Chelsea squad, they only need one or two. There's no point bringing in players that are not better than what you have. And they need a better striker. They, you know... Right back, I don't know if they need one because you've got Reese James, but Reese James can play in a number of roles. Hakimi can play a back three, assuming, excelling a wing back role in a back three, assuming that's what Thomas Tuchel is persisting with, then Chelsea are fully right to match PSG's offer of that. And it would be a good statement. I wonder what that would mean for T, is it team, team, team role? Livermento, some right young right back at Chelsea probably need to leave because the pathway isn't there. I know a lot of people would say what's going to happen with Reese James, but that would be two right backs. Obviously, that probably would mean Aspilicueta being kind of phased out and just being a good voice and a captain in lesser sorts, as you should. You know, you shouldn't be relying on him like that, as good as he he is. Um, so yeah, it must it must it must it, it must be nice, man, to be a team. And you're linked with that, and I I think Chelsea will go for the league next year. I really think they're gonna they're gonna offer they're gonna offer City, and I assume Liverpool will be back up there. I think it's them three again. Anything can happen, but they need to invest. You've won the Champions League. There's never been more of a chance to invest. There's never been probably a chance to tempt these higher echelon players. You know they've actually been linked with Jadon Sancho themselves, Haaland before. I'm sure Roman, if Mbappe was available, he would do it. But that one there is a myth, people. Man United apparently are preparing uh, um, to look at Kingsley Coleman if they cannot afford or there's hardball being played over Jadon Sanjo. Now, Kingsley Coleman's changed agents. It does look like he's angling for a move or angling for a better contract. Um, apparently, Juventus are interested in signing um, Harry Kane. But again, the price tag. Gundogan is keen to wait and see if Barcelona will make an interest in him, people. Um, Inter Milan have offered a new deal to Ashley Young, who looks set to join Watford. Apparently, AC Milan have agreed a two-year deal with Chelsea's Olivier Giroud, despite the fact he signed a new deal, because apparently Marina, um, the executive at Chelsea, said if he signs an extension, he could leave for a modest fee. Again, Chelsea want to get fees, so I, I, I respect that. Apparently, Tottenham Hotspur are monitoring Sheffield United's goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale. Um, Rudy Garcia, um, former Leon um, gaffer, and obviously um, Real Betis's Chilean boss is being linked for the Everton role of of after Carlo Ancelotti kept it moving. Apparently, Liverpool are looking at Milinkovic Savic. They've actually been linked with Jude Bellingham now as well. Um, Tottenham and 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 Everton. Well, Tottenham have been linked with Marcus Churama and are allegedly in discussions for him. Everton and Tottenham are both looking to make a move for 23-year-old Uruguayan winger Diego Rossi, who is expected to cost around 10 million from LA LAFC. Not sure if that's decent. Marseille are preparing a move for Philip Coutinho. What a fall from grace that is, people. Apparently, Liverpool are ready to let the Greek international Kostas Temikis leave on loan and Fenerbahce are monitoring the situation. Arsenal are interested in in, in England under-19 former international Tosin of Fulham. Barcelona are looking to get Lorenzo Pellegrini but face composition, competition from Atalanta and Liverpool. Um, and apparently a player I would want in Fabio Ruiz is drawing interest from Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and also Chelsea people. So a bunch of transfer news, none of it involving the club I love and support, but it is where it is in that regards, people. Um, also on, on that, apparently Tottenham and, 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 and Arsenal are looking at Marcel Sabitzer. Um, 
Everton, Everton quite the busybodies in it. Apparently, they want to bring back Vlasic, who they um, let go to CSK and Moscow. So yeah, it's the transfer window. You're gonna see a lot of rumors, but. Across the uh, across this podcast, we spoke about the Euros, we've touched on the transfers, we've touched on some other talking points, and that's all there is to it, people. I'll be back again, obviously. Make sure you're following me on YouTube and you set your reminders for the Turkey versus Italy watch-along. Once again, make sure you're checking out the DG merch. Link is in the description. On that note, I'm going to love and leave you lot, people. It's a pleasure speaking to you lot, but for now, people, deluded, I'm out. Thank you for listening to my podcast.